This is my body. This is my blood. Miracles of the Eucharist, Book 1, Avignon, 1433, Dividing the Waters. The Sorgue is a small river running through the city of Avignon in southern France. If the name Avignon rings a bell, there is a good reason. It is world famous as the sanctuary of the popes. It became the home of the popes from 1309 to 1377. Towards the end of the 13th century, many factions within Italy were trying to take over Rome and the Papal States. One family in particular, the Colonna family, was attacking the popes. In 1304, Pope Benedict XI fled Rome to Perugia, near Assisi, where he died the same year. Pope Clement V, the first pope of Avignon, was elected in Perugia on June 5, 1305. He was a Frenchman who accepted the offer of the King of France to rule the church from France. He had ulterior motives. While it was true that Italy was a battleground and the Pope one of the main targets, he also wanted to reconcile France and England in order to get them to help him launch a new crusade in the Holy Land. It was not until March of 1309 that he actually took up residence in Avignon. The first two popes who had residency in Avignon, Clement V and John XXII, considered Avignon as temporary living quarters, and the last two, Urban V and Gregory XI, wanted to return to Rome. Urban V did go to Rome in 1367, but returned to Avignon in 1370. Gregory XI had made a secret promise to the Lord before he became Pope to bring the papacy back to Rome. Only he and Jesus were aware of this promise. So when Catherine of Siena reminded him of the promise he had made, Pope Gregory XI knew it was the Lord who was speaking to him. He returned to Rome in 1376. This caused what has been termed the Great Western Schism, in which there was a Pope of Avignon who was recognized only by France, Spain, and the Kingdom of Sicily, and another Pope, the Roman Pope, successor of St. Peter. This situation lasted until 1409. What remains in Avignon are the Pope's palaces, which were built during the 67 years of their residence. There is, however, another event perhaps more important, which makes Avignon a place of pilgrimage for us. In order to fully understand the significance, we have to go back 217 years from the time of the miracle, to 1226. The Albigensian heresy, which got its name from the town of Albi, France, was spreading its false teachings throughout the southern part of the country. The heresy condemned all the sacraments, especially marriage. Sexual permissiveness was promoted by the Albigensians. The Eucharist was completely rejected. Albigensianism was condemned by the Church as early as the 11th century, but it wasn't until the Albigensians began serious attacks on the secular governments that the heads of the countries where they had their greatest stronghold denounced and outlawed them. The Albigensians were very powerful in 1226, especially in southern France, where Avignon is located. As a means of combating their attack on the physical presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, 
King Louis VIII, father of St. Louis IX, had a church built on the banks of the Sorg in honor of the Blessed Sacrament. He ordered that the Blessed Sacrament be exposed at all times in a monstrance. The church was put under the custodianship of the great penitents of the Franciscan order. The Sorg River tended to overflow every few years. When these acts of God occurred, the water came up the banks of the river and flooded homes and farms in the immediate vicinity. A particularly mighty flood came after heavy rains during late November of 1433. The water exploded over the banks, moving farther inland than in previous years. It was one of the worst floods known to the little area. On the evenings of November 29 and 30, the water level rose to a dangerous peak. The great penitents of the Franciscan order were sure that the little church that King Louis VIII had built, where the Blessed Sacrament was exposed day and night, was flooded. They decided to go there to save the consecrated Eucharist and bring it to dry land. Two of the superiors of the great penitents got into a boat and rowed their way to the church. Keep in mind that when they arrived, the water was halfway up the front door of the church. However, when they opened the door, to their amazement, they found that the entrance from the door to the altar was completely dry. Our Lord Jesus, in the form of the consecrated host in the monstrance, stood regally on top of the altar, completely dry. The water had piled up against the walls. It was reminiscent of the Bible account of the parting of the Red Sea. Indeed, it appeared that way to the great penitents also. They looked for some other members of the great penitents who came and verified the miracle. The four friars prayed in unison and brought the monstrance containing the Blessed Sacrament to a Franciscan church on dry ground. When they had placed the monstrance on the altar, they read from the book of Exodus regarding the parting of the Red Sea. Exodus 14.21 Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea with a strong east wind throughout the night, and so turned it into dry land. When the water was thus divided, the Israelites marched into the midst of the sea on dry land, with the water like a wall to their right and to their left. The Franciscans wrote the account of the four friars into the records of their community, where it is preserved till today. A tradition was created at that time, which is still in practice. On the 30th of November each year, in the chapel of the church in Avignon, the great penitents put a rope around their necks, and devoutly crawling on their hands and knees, they recreate the incident, retracing the steps of their predecessors, following the same path that was taken on the evening of the miracle. There is nothing left but the church and the tradition of the miracle. But in the tradition, these friars give thanks to the power of our Lord Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament for having given them a sign no less than that which saved the Jews from the hands of the Egyptians during their exodus. Pilgrims, especially those with a hunger for the Eucharist, still visit the little church on the banks of the river to venerate and give thanks to the Lord for giving us this special gift at a time when we needed His strength. What is the significance of this miracle? 
Why were the symbols of the exodus of the Jews from captivity used to bring about the miracle? Nothing is known for sure. The speculation abounds among those who have studied this special situation. Could it be that the Lord was using this sign of the Eucharistic miracle to free his people from the bondage of sin? In today's world, we find ourselves captives of another sort, subtler but deadlier. We are in a world of materialism, consumerism, permissiveness, atheism. Our lives are ruled by a peer pressure, manipulated by movies, magazines, records, and television advertising. Drugs, alcohol, abortion, premarital sex, disdain for parental guidance, self-centeredness, and a host of others are just some of the lessons we're being taught daily. If we don't conform to this way of life, we find ourselves imprisoned by non-acceptance and loneliness. We do have a weapon, however. The same miracle that the Lord performed in the little church in Avignon is performed for us every day during the consecration of the Mass. Our daily miracle of the Eucharist can free us from any invader. We have to hold on to that miracle. We can't sit back and wait for something to happen when we receive the miracle of the Eucharist. We have to launch forward, embrace Him, and take Him into our heart. We will find ourselves freed from the slavery of the world and all its false teachings. The Eucharistic miracle of the Sorg could very well have been another way the Lord used to repeat the promise made to us in Luke 4.18. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and release to prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord. The Eucharistic miracle that takes place in your church every day is this same message from the Lord. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here is how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply, with your iPhone or Android device, go to the App Store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app, and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.